What is going on, guys? I hope you guys are doing fantastic. I hope you guys are doing wonderful. And I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. And if you're not, well, I hope that your day gets a little bit better with the podcast that we're about to have today. Because, you know, I had a wicked time talking to Michael Unbroken, right? You guys ever heard of Michael Unbroken? If you haven't, well, you have now. Michael is a trauma survivor, son of drug addicts and abusers, molested by a family friend. Mother cut off his finger, homeless by 10, drug addict at 12, alcoholic at 19, morbidly obese, not once, but twice. And in his words, a total fucking failure. Trauma warrior. But he had a mirror moment. And that's when he created the life he wanted through self-actualization and mindset training, which has taken basically his entire life to get to the place that he is today and now he is a trauma mentor through mindset and hard work he has become his happiest his healthiest and most in love with himself than he has ever been and he is no longer lost lonely unloved or the broken little boy in his words he is unbroken and i mean that's just basically to sum up a little bit of his backstory But what I loved about his story, and like anybody that triumphs over adversity, any great man, right, they come out the other side stronger. And just in the same way that you get a broken bone, that area that was affected and was broken will heal and it'll come back stronger. And what I really loved about Michael Mann is that he talks about, (laughs) he's just open about all his struggles, all the ways that he suffered, all the ways that his life sucked. Like he didn't hold back any punches or try to shade the truth in any which way. He just gave it to you straight up. And he did a lot of talking that made me even think after I was done the podcast, like, man, I got to look in the mirror too. And, you know, there's certain things that I need to work on as a father, as a man, as a husband, you know, there's always different ways that we can improve and I truly loved the conversation that I had. It was deep and I know you guys will feel it. You know, I I definitely did. There were times where he was talking where I literally got chills where I'm like, wow, man, this is, this is legit. And this is what it's all about. And I think I love having conversations with men who are genuinely looking to make this world a better place. And he's all about his mission. Right. And I have nothing but respect, you know, hats off to him and number of props, man, because I got nothing but respect for, for Michael, man. And I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I hope you guys can take a whole lot out of it because it is an absolute banger. And I had a great time. I'm not going to lie. It was fantastic. So without any further ado, I hope you guys can take a whole lot out of this podcast. And I hope that you guys can triumph as well in your lives. All right. Without any further ado, let's jump on in, guys. Before we get started, one more thing. If you want to get any PE gear, be sure to check out 
TotalManShop.com. That is TotalManShop.com. And use the promo code MHS2020. Promo code is MHS2020. And get 12% off. Be sure to check out their wide variety of all kinds of good quality PE equipment. All right? And that's promo code MHS2020 for 12% off. And the website, once again, is TotalManShop.com. Welcome to another episode here at the Mask and Health Solutions Podcast. Today, I am joined by Michael Unbroken Anthony, who's going to break down, well, what seemed like a terrible story at first, but how he broke through and really got the most out of this life and is now helping other people get past their problems, their issues, and basically seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, which is something that I think is fantastic and something a lot of men may be scared to confront. However, Michael is here to really help people get them started the right place right time really get that journey going so michael first of all how are you today sir i'm amazing brother thank you so much for having me today it's an honor to be here with you so i guess we'll start right at the beginning of your story man i've seen your instagram and as grisly as some of that passes look let's jump into your childhood and what that basically looked like for you yeah for sure you know i um i grew up in indianapolis in america just in the middle of the country um, my, my mother, I grew up in the eighties and my mother was a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, she actually cut off my right index finger partially when I was only four years old and people always be like, well, how could your mom do that? And I'm like, well, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Mm. It was a continuation of that trauma, that abuse. And when I was six, she married my stepfather, super abusive. You know, the kind of guy you pray is like never your stepfather. And I mean, he would beat the shit out of my brothers and I put me in the hospital multiple times. Like it was pretty gnarly. And, you know, I used to lie in bed at night and be like, why won't my real dad come and save me? You know, and I used to think, oh, you know what? He's like out rescuing people. He's like a Navy SEAL. He just didn't come. And, you know, I learned really young that nobody's coming to rescue you. And, and that disillusioned me for a long time, to be honest with you. And I spent the majority of my childhood homeless, deeply in poverty. I mean, in fact, we lived with over 30 different families between I was time eight years old to 12, getting bounced around place to place, strangers, friends, churches, family members, vans, like, dude, it was crazy. I never knew what way was up. And by the time that I was 12, my grandmother had adopted me. Now, in some sense, that's a godsend, uh, but I'm biracial, black and white. My grandma was an old racist ass white lady from a town in Tennessee you never heard of. So it's like insert identity crisis. And I mean, like, dude, we had a copy of Hitler's autobiography, Mein Kampf in our house. Let me tell you about how racist she was. <laughs> you know, I got family who are members of the Aryan Brotherhood. Like, it's crazy. And so like any reasonable 12 year old, I just started getting stoned every day. And by the time that I was 13, I was getting drunk all the time. And, you know, honestly, it was kind of just what we did in the neighborhood, man. We would just do that because everyone did that. We thought that's what you did. And by the time I was 15, I got kicked out of school for selling drugs. And I was running from the cops, getting shot at, like stealing cars, breaking into houses, hurting people. Like it was crazy. And and I just was like, this is what life is. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. 
and I got put into a, a last chance program. And in that, I ended up graduating high school late. Basically, my girlfriend calls me one day. She's like, your name's not on the list. And I was like, oh, great. Now I'm the biggest loser in the whole freaking school. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you do with that? And so end up going to summer school. The teacher just hands me that he's like, dude, we're done with you. Get the hell out. Here's the diploma. Bye. Which was a really weird, like juxtaposition because I had just failed for the same thing, you know, and now he's like, bye, I'm like, whatever. And so I'm working like some bullshit job. I'm putting uh, microchips into motherboards all day long, working in a warehouse assembly line. I mean, we're talking about 12 hours a day, just oh. boom, 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 boom. And you could just see the desperation in people's eyes. You know, it, like, it was like, that's the place where dreams went to die. And uh, I, I ended up getting fired, uh, probably because I was stoned. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting in my car one day, man. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing? What, what is going on here? And I started asking myself, like, what is the solution for poverty? What is the solution for homelessness? And I was like, oh, it's got to be money, right? Like, that's got to be the thing. That's the one thing we never had that would have fixed everything. And so I made a declaration to myself. I want to make $100,000 a year legally by the time that I turn 21. Nice. And the legal part was very, very important because I have family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs. And as of today, my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Like, I knew my path, man. I was like, yeah. if I don't change this shit, I'm in trouble. And so I just started learning skills and I ended up getting a leadership role at a fast food restaurant. And I had 52 people under me at 18 years old, learning how to read P and L's and leadership and hiring. I mean, I was a baby doing that. It was crazy. Yeah. And, and one day I was chatting with one of my homies on MySpace to age myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And, and he's like, I just got a Tahoe, you know, one of those big trucks. Yeah. I was like, how the hell did you get a Tahoe? You're as dumb as I am. You're from the same neighborhood as me. All you did was sell drugs. Like, what is going on here? And he's like, I work for an insurance company. And I was like, whoa. Sales. I didn't know that was possible. Because the only thing I ever saw, man, was like repo, buy here, pay here, fast food gigs, warehouse gigs, go be a server, go, go work the job. And I was like, dude, it changed everything for me. Yeah. And so I just started learning skills to go and get a job working for a corporation. My goal was an insurance company. I was like, that's obviously the route to hundred thousand dollars a year. And sure enough, before I turned 21, I land a job with a fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education. And I start making six figures. And then my life became a disaster because I look, man, when you have never had money before, you don't know what to do with it. I never yeah. educated myself. No one taught me about money. And so here I am, you know, making 130, 140 a year and I'm brutally in debt. Like it's crazy, like almost 50 grand and, and worse heading into 26 years old, I'm 350 pounds, Damn. smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend. My friends don't like me. My brother stopped talking to me. Like everybody can't stand me anymore. And, you know, I, I put a gun in my mouth, man. Damn. I was done. And was how like, much, how much of that do you, <clears throat> do you think just came from those unresolved issues that definitely happened in childhood? Well, all of it. 
I did, look, man, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know how to take care of my physical health, my mental well-being. I didn't know how to take care of my money. I didn't know how to take care of my relationships, my friendships, my career. Like I was great at making money, but I was even better at spending it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and all of those experiences from my past, like they inform you. And like, I was just trying to stuff it down. Don't yeah. be a little bitch. Don't be a pussy. Don't cry all that bullshit. And you know what that does? It just, it's so toxic. And I know that's a word that gets thrown around a lot, especially mm -hmm. now in toxic masculinity. I'm like, yeah. fine, whatever. But the truth <laughs> about it is like it, it, there's something to the truth of the reality that you have to be willing to nakedly look at your life and just be honest with yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, I wake up the next day, I'm, I'm laying in bed. Now, dude, keep in mind, I'm fucking 350 pounds <laughs> i'm smoking a joint eating chocolate cake and oh, watching the crossfit game <laughs> like rock bottom yeah like, that was singularly the worst moment of my life because i'm sitting here like you did this yeah and i was like i went to the bathroom and i was looking at myself in the mirror i never did this before i have no idea why i did this and I was, I just looked at myself in the mirror. And as I was doing that, I remembered being eight years old and the, the water company had come to our house and turned our water off. Yeah. I grew up in America, dude. I grew up in a city, a yeah. major city. And we were so poor. They turned off our water. They turned off our heat. They turned off our electricity. We got evicted more times than I can count. And so I was like, well, I guess it's just another Tuesday. And, you know, I go in the backyard, I grab this little blue bucket and I walk across the street to our neighbor's house. And for the first time I stole water. And I remember being like, man, when I'm a grown up, this will not be my life. Yeah. And, and it wasn't from the aspect of like the success that I had, that was obviously bullshit, but it, but it definitely was because I was still that hurt lost little boy, man. I had done none of the work. I was blaming the world. I was Oh, I was the ultimate victim. Yeah. It was everybody's fault, but Michael's fault. Your fault, my teacher's fault, my parents' fault, the community's fault, my peers' fault, Obama's fault. Dude, it was everybody's <laughs> fault. It was never Michael's fault ever. It was never my fault. And as I looked in the mirror that day, you know, I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the response was no excuses, just results. Yeah. And, and that meant a couple of things that I would stop negotiating with myself. I would stop because there was always tomorrow, always next time. You know, I quit smoking 3000 fucking times. You know, <laughs> I, I quit lying every day. Like I always, and, and, and in that it was about learning that I had to trust myself. Yeah. You know, the, the thing people don't actually understand about childhood trauma and abuse like dude it's not the scars like it ain't this finger yeah. it ain't these burns it ain't the cuts man it's your theft of identity mm -hmm. you know you you learn how to not be you because it's dangerous to be you every time dude the most dangerous thing i could do as a child was walk in my front door yeah and yeah. so be because of that think about the brain your brain serves one purpose making survive. sure you survive yeah that's it and so it autonomically and 
automatically starts making meaning of all the stimulus of the experiences of your life to determine and to differentiate danger versus safety. And the more things that you do are dangerous, your brain goes, oh, don't do that. Yeah. You remember what happened last time, right? It's how many times you put your finger in the electric socket? Like one time. You're one, like, time. I got it. one time. One right? yeah. <laughs> time. Like I got it. But that's what happens when you think about your identity as a child. You're like, oh, wait, I'm trying to be me. But every time I'm me, I get hurt. So then I should not be me because being me is dangerous. Yeah. And it's almost like you got to suppress that to make everybody else around you be okay with who you are or this avatar of who you are. And it's not even suppressing it because you don't even make meaning of the fact that you're doing it. Yeah. Because what happens is you're automatically like, oh man, I cannot be me. Your brain just goes, I need to chameleon. I need to be someone else. Dude, I, I would, as a kid, man, you know, it's funny because kids would pick on me all the time. They'd be like, oh, you're wearing the same clothes as us. You bought the same backpack. You're listening to the same music. And I'd be like, I would do whatever it took to fit in. Like, it didn't matter what it was. And so, but kids can pick up on that. It's inauthentic. Right. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know how to be me The Because being me, I, you know, you want to get your head thrown through a wall, be yourself. <laughs> and so I learned how to stop. And then the, the crazy part about that is it serves you for a period of time because it does keep you safe and you're four, eight, 12, 17 years old. And like, it's safety. Yeah. And then you're 36, 52, 70 years old. And you don't know how to say yes. And you don't know how to say no. And you have no idea who you are because you've never been given the space to explore that. And that's the thing that's dangerous about childhood trauma is it puts you in this position where now, especially, and I'll speak from the perspective of a man, like you're like, I'm a man and I'm successful, but you're running around like a hurt little boy. And that yeah. was my life. What was, uh, cause like hearing all that, man, I could relate to a whole lot from myself. In that situation, you know, it was always the physical beating. So I found the gym and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this big ass armor. And I remember when I was a kid, I saw, I don't think I was watching a movie or something. I'm like, okay, that's it. That's my magic key. I got to be six foot, 220 pounds because nobody will fuck with me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling myself that as a kid and at 14 or 15, <clears throat> I reached that goal. But at the same time, it's like, it always goes back to the mind and how like mentally I was still just kind of putting a shell or just protecting that child that was existing inside of me. And I found that, you know, like, like your story as well, it's like, we find different ways to protect that child. But for you, what was the thing that you did to break out or really, you know, fix those wounds? Like, cause you realize you had this issue at this time. What did you do to say, hey, you know what, this stops now and this is how I start my recovery. Well, I mean, look, man, you, you know, it's a accumulation of 26 years of rock bottoms again and again and again, right? It's, it's wetting the bed and getting picked on by the other kids. It's not graduating high school, dude. It's, it was impossible to not graduate from my high school. And I fucking figured it out. You know, it's, it's being obese. It's, it's destroying relationships and friendships. It's all of those things at some point, like real talk. And I know this is hard for people to hear. You got to get the fuck out of your own way. Yeah, you do. Because like you, like I built the armor, but I built the armor financially. Yeah. I built the armor through, I'm going to drive a brand new Cadillac. I'll age myself here. Sean John suits, Jerbo <laughs> jeans, 
at ones. Like I'm going to go drop 10 racks at the mall, like a fucking moron. Like yeah. I would do that stuff. Cause I was like, this is how I posture. This is how I, um, you know, I peacock and I get attention and love and I yeah. get companionship. So I'm going to go get wealthy. I do no bullshit. I'm not even going to lie to you. I wasted almost a million dollars. I have Jeez. nothing to show for it. Nothing, literally nothing. You know, I'm, you're talking about making 130, 150 for five, six years, all gone. I have nothing. Right. And so, A, I'm really glad that I had that experience because it's shaped the way that I view money and running businesses now, which I'm really glad that happened when I was young and not today. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in that, what happened is getting to this place is I realized, dude, I would have to go, I'll give you context. This is, I never talk about this. So you ask great questions. I, um, <laughs> I go on a date with this girl and like all my clothes were brand new. And I was like, I gotta go buy different clothes. She's not going to like this. My first thought was she's not going to like this. What the fuck? That makes no sense. Yeah. And it's like, what was your reference point there? It's just like, uh, it needs to be newer. I, it needs to be more. I never even like, met her. You know what geez. I mean? But I would do shit like that all the time. I would pay for my friends at the bar. I do at one point, I think we went to like one of those piano bars one night, which I didn't even want to fucking be there, <laughs> but because it was like, do whatever it takes. So people like you. And I spent 3000 bucks buying people drinks that night, Jeez. stupid shit like that all the time. And, yeah. and what it was is that moment is I realized I'm sitting here looking at my life and I'm, I'm looking in this mirror and I'm like, you have never made a decision for yourself. Yeah. And, and in that I made a decision that day. I was like, fuck this. Stop. And, and, and look, it's funny because people hear that and they'll be like, oh, and then your life magically changed. <laughs> <laughs> I the, wish the shit me too the <laughs> next three the next three years were so incredibly hard like yeah. ungodly hard like hard in ways that i can't even explain because it was like man i'd take one step forward and a million steps back yeah. one step forward and i'd fall on my face and it hurt dude like it just for years it was suffering because i never knew how to be me before so it was just constantly trying all these things. And so to get to answering your question here, the, the thing that I had to do was be willing to just try everything. Just yeah. go for, just be like, all right, I'm not sure about this. And the massive discomfort that came along with that and the willingness to sit in it. And as it happened, just like remind myself, like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And, and also in that probably more so is the deeper I got into who I was, as I started heading in, there was kind of this pivotal shift around 29 heading into 30. So almost seven years ago now, I was like, went to dinner with my three best guy friends. Like I'd, I'd known these dudes for like nine years, 10 years, yeah. lived with one of them for like seven years. And, and I'm sitting down, I'm having dinner with them. I'll, I'll give you context here. You know more about me in eight minutes than they knew about me in a decade. Damn. And so I sat down with them. I said, guys, I have to leave. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not going to be here anymore Damn. because whatever is next for me is not in this city. And I needed to explain to them. And so I told them my story more in depth than what I just shared with you. And in the middle of it, one of the guys, the person I thought was my fucking best friend, no bullshit. I'm not even making this up. 
pulls out his phone to check the score of the fucking game. Wow. In the most important moment, probably of my life. Wow. I never shared any of that with a single human being ever. And, and that moment just solidified for me that I had made the right decision to leave. Yeah. And the thing that I want people to hear in this, it's like, whatever, fine. They made their choices. I made mine. When you change people around you will take notice and it will make them incredibly uncomfortable. That was going to say, especially if they haven't done the work, because what will happen is you're going to reflect something that they don't want to see. You know, Jay, Jay Z has my favorite quote of all time. He says, people around you saying that you changed. Well, I didn't do all this work to stay the same. Exactly. And I think that was the thing that I held on to so strongly in that discomfort. Cause I was like, I'm about to move 2,500 miles away. I'm mm. going to go be in a place I've never been. I'm going to learn things I've never learned. And all of it was about being better, yeah. being different, being what was next. And, and the greatest sense of accomplishment that I had at that time was I just made a decision. Yeah. And so that's what I want people to understand about this is like, if you are on the fence about what is next in your life, you just got to decide there's going to be fallout. There's going to be collateral damage. It's going to be dirty, but I promise you on the backside, your life will be different. A hundred percent. But that's kind of the biggest issue that you, or I think that most guys don't want to confront is the fact that I need to change. And right there, you decided like, hey, you know, I, at least I'm going to get out of the city. That's step one. You know, next up, I'm pretty sure you wrote down, you know, like, hey, maybe this obesity thing isn't working out. Smoking isn't working out. You know, I got to change these habits. I got to work on me. But I find that so many guys, they just want to just pretend like nothing's happening and they'll keep peacocking. And that's where they don't discover who they are until they're in their mid 60s, 50s. You know, and that's where the midlife crisis comes in anyways, because eventually you got to face that, man. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, it's funny you say that I, I just finished writing my third book. It's called unbroken man, a man's guide to being the hero of their own story. It comes out this summer. Nice. I wrote, I wrote that book. Cause I was having a conversation with one of my homegirls, and she coaches women. And she was like, dude, I got all these men who are running around acting like little boys all these women I'm coaching are talking about how their husbands don't talk to them, how, how they, they, they go and they posture and they make all this money, but they're not emotionally available. They're, they're, they're going through all these struggles, but they won't reach for help. And I was like, all of the men that I have coached over the years, hundreds of them, I watched their lives change in these incredible ways. And I was like, fuck it. All right. I'm going to go work on this. I'm gonna go coach men. I'm gonna write this book. And the, the truth about it is most men are unwilling to do it because they think people are going to call them a pussy. Yeah, it's almost Seriously. like that, that social, we believe that because that's where we were brought up because I was born in 88, right? And it's like back then, it's like, you know, don't cry, don't be a bitch, you know, don't be a pussy. And that's all you heard growing up, right? So it's almost like you just take that beating and you just go about your business, right? Yeah, especially <laughs> that's kind of what it was. A hundred percent, because that's, Nobody wanted to be that guy. Nobody wanted to be viewed as the weak link. Yeah. However, it's almost like when you confront that and you're able to step in front of yourself in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? I do have these issues that need to be addressed. Because if not, you know, it, I will suffer the consequences in the near future. Kind of like 
the way that you said, hey, I got to make this decision now. What is it that you do to really get guys to say, all right, I got these problems. I got these issues. What is my first step? Yeah. Well, look, by the time a guy has come over to this, they have realized that they have hit rock bottom. Yeah. And dude, to be honest with you, I swear, I wish I could figure out a way to mitigate that moment. Yeah. But not a single person I've ever worked with has come to me before that. <laughs> and we're talking about thousands of people, men, women, however you identify, thousands of people. And I'm like, shit, what? let's just keep figuring it out. And you've got to be willing to acknowledge, like, you know, one of the things I think about is how dangerous that nomenclature about man up is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in this book is just redefining that because to me, manning up is taking care of your shit. Yeah. That's manning up to me. Like, take care of your shit, motherfucker. Like, let's go. Yeah. Like, the, the truth about it. Cause I'm going to call you out. You sit down on that call with me. I'm be like, look, I get it. I've been there. You can't hide from me. I yeah. see it. I know exactly what you're doing. You're, you're, you're sap. And you know, what's interesting is people will be like, I'm self-sabotaging. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're making a fucking decision. Yeah. You know, the, the moment the word self-sabotage even come out of your mouth, you've already decided. Yeah. And that's the crazy part about it. So for the guys who are like, all right, where do I begin? You go stand in front of that fucking mirror and you look at yourself. Because you can't lie to yours. You can lie to me. You can lie to your wife, your husband, your kids. You can't lie to yourself. That's why yeah. when you go to bed at night, your ass can't sleep. Because yeah. you're consumed by the lies, by the bullshit, by the fact that you're working a job you hate in a relationship you don't want to be in, playing video games all night. Bro, and I get it. I'll share something real fucking crazy. There was a game that came out in the 90s called Diablo 2. It might have been early 2000. Called Diablo <laughs> yeah, I remember II. that game. I put 2,400 hours into that game. Damn. Seriously. Jeez. No bullshit. Because it was easier to disappear than it was to face the truth. And that's the thing about this. You want step one? Face the fucking truth. You are not yet good enough to be the man that you want to be. But the word in there I need you to understand is yet. Yet, yeah. Yet. Every single I look at my life. Let me tell you this. My mission, Think Unbroken, everything that I do, the books, the podcast, the speaking, the coaching, all the things is about one thing, one mission to end generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information so another kid doesn't have a story like i just told you but yeah. i am not good enough to do that yet but you're so working every on it. single day that's right and so every day you show up you do the work you learn you invest you get coaches you heal you rinse and repeat ad nauseum until you fucking die <laughs> like that's how this works. And look, if I'm going to tell you right now, I promise you, this is the most true thing I'll ever tell anyone ever. You have to ask yourself, what am I willing to do to have the life that I want to have? And if the answer is anything less than no excuses, just results, you aren't going to get it. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, I think, <clears throat> even from my point of view, right? It's kind of, it all stems from that, who you are 
at this moment is going to define where you're going, like what your next couple of steps are going to be anyways. And I think if you are broken or if you have these issues, you can't really take that first step because you're too busy kind of pivoting away from it. Right. And that's kind of where I feel that you're the dude that kind of comes in and sometimes you steer these people into the right direction, but it almost feels like you're picking them off up the ground because buddy's on the ground right now. And he's like, listen, I'm at a place right now where I finally have to recognize the fact that I'm completely busted. And it's almost like you said, you want to find that middle ground, but I almost feel like it doesn't exist because usually you got to really feel the acid of whatever it is that you're going through to say, Hey, I need a hand. And it's so hard to like, even for myself, like, I'm not going to lie. Like you got to hit rock bottom in that mentally you're like, I'm done, man. I'm almost, I'm this close to giving up. And that's when you really start to make, or you really start to break through. And here's the thing also, you know, I, I still struggle. I got coaches. I go to therapy. I have mentors. I read books. I have to show up every day. Like I tell folks all the time, when you come over to here, when you come in my world, this is a rest of your life game. Yeah. I promise, I promise you, you will never read one podcast, listen to one podcast, read one book, go to one course, and your life will be different. It's not going to happen. It's no. nonsense because you've never had proficiency the first time you've done anything in your life. Yeah. First time you rode a bike, you were terrible. First time you had sex, you were awful. First time <laughs> you went to the job, you suck so bad. You thought, I bet they're going to fire me when I go home. You know, <laughs> And so the idea that you could do anything in the space especially in this healing arena and think that you can do it one time, you're wrong. You're yeah. so wrong. And you're so wrong that it's dangerous because you'll go back to reverted behavior patterns. And so in this, there's a space where like for real, you have to be willing to give yourself some grace here. Yeah. You have to be willing to give yourself some fucking compassion and be like, man, I fucked up today. Cause guess what? You're going to fuck up today. <laughs> It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen the next day. It's going to happen again and again and again and again. And the, and the truth about life is like, it's inevitability. I don't know anyone who doesn't make mistakes. I don't I know, know one do person, but we hold ourselves to such a high, like pedestal about this idea of being the perfect man, perfect woman, perfect spouse, perfect parent, perfect employee or business owner. And it's like, nah, man, I'm like, I screw up all the time. I'll tell people like, I'm gonna fuck up today. <laughs> it's inevitable. But it's funny, too, because I'm reading, uh, I'm rereading a book that uh, I forgot which podcast I was listening to where they were talking about mindset by Carol Dweck. Yeah, and she was talking book. about Yeah, the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. And in the fixed mindset, it's almost like you were told you were special all your life. And all of a sudden, when you got to work for it, these people just refuse to because like, no, 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 I'm special, man. I, I am. I am it, man. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, now I suck because everybody else around me, you know, I'm a small fish in a bigger pond. And it's almost versus the growth mindset, which is what you're talking about is recognizing the fact that, hey, it's going to hurt. I got to grow. And it's going to be continuous. And like you said, man, it is a lifetime thing, because you can never have enough knowledge in this life. I really yeah. don't think you can. I, I agree with that. And I think one of the things that's really I'm going to go into that fixed mindset a little bit more that I think is incredibly, incredibly important that people miss all the time. And especially guys will say this, you've said this before. I've said it, we've all said it, but you need to understand how dangerous it is to say this. That's just who I am. 
No, yeah. <laughs> That's Guilty. just who I am. Well, why are you that way? Why are you choosing to be that way? Why do you continue to choose to be that way? Would you yeah. burn down everything around you? That's just who I am. All right. Well, fucking good luck. <laughs> good luck. And look, here's, here's the truth about it. Like that space is dangerous because that's the ultimate fixed mindset. Yeah. That's where I used to be. Ask my brothers. Ask my, ask my ass girlfriend, ask my old employees, ask my old business partners. Like that motherfucker said that all the time. It's and that's like so a... dangerous because that eliminates all possibilities of growth. Cause it sounds like it is just a couple at the end of the day. It's kind of like, I've seen dudes who are close to me who are just kind of like, well, that's just what I do. That's just who I am. And you're right, because it just kind of becomes like, I'd rather have a fixed mindset and have this false identity attributed to myself than own the fact that I am in control of my own life. And I think a lot of people like the one thing, going back to your story as well, but I think the worst thing that men can do in society is just have children and leave them. Like, I got two boys, right? And I'm not the perfect father. You know, I, I even tell them that. <laughs> and I love my boys. You know, but at the same time, it's like, there's nothing I wouldn't do for these kids, right? Like, I love them with all my heart and soul. And for me, I kind of feel that a lot of the situations that we're seeing with men are just like, well, that's just who I am. I know a guy that's got six kids. That's just who I am, man. I, I have another one. That's just, that's just what I do. Mm -hmm. And doesn't take care of a single one. And now we're seeing how that's really affecting society as a whole, because all these young boys are growing up and they're just watching TV, man. Or they're just mm -hmm. viewing these false idols that they think, you know, ah, that's what I got to do, man. I got to get money, money, cash, hoes. Like, it's the stupidest yeah. mindset that could possibly ever exist. And we're seeing it play oh, out in yes. real time. You know, it, it blows my mind. But at the same time, I kind of feel like, yo, step one, if you're a father and you, you got kids, I think in that situation, you should man up and take care of your kids. You know, regardless yeah. of what you feel for the woman involved, you know, whether... You don't have a good relationship with her. Regardless, just go be there and spend time with your kid. It's time over money. Because ultimately, man, like, I think that's the biggest thing that's missing with guys in our society right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could not agree more. And the problem with that that I think we face as a society is now we have all these boys. And I'm one of them being raised by women. Yeah. And it's like, how do you become a man when you have no understanding of that. I'm, I'm going to read you some statistics here. So you might've saw me not paying attention briefly, but I was, I was listening. I was pulling up some statistics I wrote in the new book that I pulled from the census. Oh, so the sure. 2021 U S census, one in six children under the age of 18, about 12.7 million children, 12.7 million are being raised without an active father in their life. Jeez. Now listen to this. When you factor in birth ratio, right? The equivalent of boys versus girls being born every year. That means that three and six boys are being raised by a single mother. Wow. So you got all these boys who have no measurement for manhood other than like my measurement for it. You said it, money, cash, hoes, right? That yeah. thing, that was my mindset, man. I grew up on hip hop. I grew up on rock and roll. I like, you know, my, my thought was like, you know, Jay-Z, who I still love and respect tremendously. I was like, that's the life. 
get yeah. a nice car, have sex with all these women, make all this money, and you're a man. Good and you pimping. know how much fulfillment comes with that? None. Zero. None. Yeah. Absolutely none. But I, and look, CJ, I'll say this because this is like this is the context of this conversation. You don't know that until you're in it. Yeah. But that's just it. It's almost like you got to go and experience it to find out how empty it is. And I think for many of us, it almost like the fantasy of it sounds good till you go and live it until you go and experience it. You're like, now what? Why yeah. do I still feel empty? Well, for you, what was it that you said, like, after you reached that situation, you started going through the progress? What was the hardest thing for you actually starting to say, hey, you woke up almost and then you start progressing. What was the most difficult part of that three-year period where you started to transition to the man that you are today? Well, I mean, even today, it still holds true. It's the moments of solitude. It's the being alone. It's the not hooking up with women. It's the not going and getting wasted. It's the not getting stoned and playing video games all night. <laughs> I still want to do that shit, <laughs> but I don't. You know, there's no one night stands in my life. There's no consuming vast quantities of alcohol. There's no getting stoned and playing video games till four in the morning and not going to the gym. I'm training for a fucking marathon right now. Nice. I'm on, I'm on multiple boards. I, I do all kinds of charitable work. I'm always on podcast and coaching and we're like, you've got to be clear about what you want. The hardest thing is creating your life. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. It's easy to go back. Look, it takes as much energy to destroy your life as it does to create your life. You're just dispersing energy. And so, you know, when I think about, I have these moments where, man, I'm like, yo, you know, it'd be really great right now. I just want to eat a whole bunch of fucking fried chicken. <laughs> Seriously. I have that moment and I'm like, I cannot do that. I refuse it because I don't negotiate with myself. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll share something I don't share very often. When I was in the midst of the beginning of this journey, and we're talking about almost 11 years now, but in the beginning, man, I used to call myself a terrorist How because so? I don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> and I know that's crazy, but it's like this mind trick I had to play on myself yeah. because it was always like, man, you know, it's really good going to the bar, getting drunk, getting McDonald's, smoking a cigarette, going home, hopping on some app, having some chick come over, have sex with her, have her leave, feel guilty. So I get more drunk, get stoned, wake up and do it again. Jeez. That's nonsense. Well, it's and kinda... now it's like, wake up and take control over your fucking life. Well, design it. And that's the one thing when he said that it gave me chills because you're right. It's like, I can live the life that I want or I could just fall into a life by default. And I've kind of started to realize that the older I get that I see guys around me all the time, you know, guys that I work with, you know, and they're not striving for anything else. It's like, hey, what are you going to go do today? It's like, well, yeah. you know, I'm going to go work on my things. And I'll talk to another dude. I'm like, hey, what are you going to go do tonight? He's like, oh, I'm probably going to go to the bar, go to the casino, get drunk, go yeah. home. And dude, I'm go, like, go look at go look at people that you knew 15 years ago. Go look them up on social. So I'll, the, my best friend I was telling you about. So about a month ago, I just, I looked him up. I was like, I wonder what he's doing. You know what he's doing? The same, same fucking thing. thing we were doing 15 years ago. Literally the same thing. Oh man. You know, you've probably heard this quote, especially floating around right now. Henry David Thoreau says the massive men lead lives of quiet desperation. Yeah. You got to be willing to suffer to create your life. 
I believe that, man. The thing is, I think too many people just want to run away from it. I, I kind of go back to that whole fixed mindset thing where it's almost like people want a life that's set up for them. So it's almost like I'll develop my mindset around what's been given to me. Not what I've worked for, but what's been given to me. So I was told that I was X, Y, Z. If I was told I was dumb all my life and I just accept it, then I say, hey, yeah, I'm happy working this nine to five. You know, I'm happy with this. But it's kind of like, why can't I just go out and design and go after what I really want? You I'll know? tell you why. I'll, I'll literally lay out the why. Here is why. Because if everything that you understand about yourself is embedded in you in your youth, then your understandings of who you are being bathed in, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not capable enough, become the way you think about the world. And because that is the way you think, that is the way you act. And because that is how you act, that will be your reality. And you have to recognize that even something so infinitesimally small as a microscopic moment of time can shape and change everything because we are the sum total of all of our experiences leading up to this moment. So think about this, CJ, you're, you're seven years old, you're in Miss Smith's class, you're coloring a house, you make the moon purple, mm -hmm. the sun purple. She comes up to you and she goes, CJ, the sun's not purple. And all the kids laugh at you. You're criticized in that moment as you try to be yourself and step into that creativity and allow your imagination of discovery to be the thing that drives you. Well, your brain goes, that hurt. I don't ever want to be creative. I don't ever want to chase my imagination. I don't ever want to try to be me. They all laughed. And what happens is that holds true all the way to adulthood where you don't show up for yourself because you're terrified often subconsciously that if you be you, there are ramifications. And so for the people who are like, I, I I'm just good, you know, cause you got the guy over. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. He's good because when he tried to be him, he suffered and his brain has said, I don't want to ever suffer again. So I'm not going to put myself out there. One of the greatest things that I've been able to build in my own life as a tool is my superpower is the willingness to be publicly embarrassed. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. Exactly. And I'm not saying that as like some crass hyper hyperbolic statement. I literally mean that because yeah. as I've been building this company, the people weren't there when the, when the workshop had three people, seven people, one person. Right. And today I've spoken in front of 10,000. And the reality is like the deeper I get into this, the more I realize like the thing that I was told as a kid, my, like, let's call it a limiting belief, right? Mm -hmm. What my limiting belief was as a kid was that I'm to be seen and never heard. Interesting. Well, what do you think was, or where did that come from? Was that just the constant, you know, teachers just reinforcing that idea or was it like a one-off event? It's no, I mean, it was my home. I mean, oh, okay. I, I was not allowed to use my voice in my house ever. So just like shut up and get back to your room kind of thing. Not even that. Shut up. I'm going to throw you through this fucking table, then get back to your room. <laughs> gotcha. Like my yeah. mom and my stepdad were monsters, dude. Yeah. Because they hadn't done the work. Like I get it now, like looking at it retrospectively, I can go, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. Right. And, and the reality was like, I, I learned how to be silent. 
I learned how to be quiet. I learned how to be the awkward kid. And even when I would strive for goals, I'll give you a great example. I won this wrestle. I wrestled for a very long time. I won this wrestling tournament, city tournament, all the city schools, all day event. I think I had to wrestle five or six matches. Like Damn. it was a hard day. Yeah, that's a long I day. Won. <laughs> I won. I came home. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. So you learn how to be silent. You go, I go, fuck it. All right, whatever. And so then what happens is now you're an adult. You have to be willing to make meaning of your behavioral patterns. And, and the truth is sometimes like you got to go to therapy. You got to sit there and be able to make meaning of it. You need to have a coach. You need to read the books. You need to journal and yeah. meditate. And I know everybody always says journal and meditate, but they say it because it fucking works. And so the thing about <laughs> this is, you know, you, you get to this place where you start to build yourself. You have to understand causation and correlation. Yeah. All of those experiences created who you are. And so now you must make a choice. Am I going to allow this to continue to be me? Or am I going to be the person that I choose to be? Yeah. Like I created myself. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Well, I it's sat down with a piece of paper and a pen and I said, this is who I am. And I just decided to move towards that. And the person that I'm aiming to be tomorrow, I have to equip today. Yeah. And that's the process, man. You just got, you got to be willing to face the fear of the failure. You're going to fail. Deal with it. Learn. It, well, if you let failure stop you, I promise you, I'll tell you right now exactly the thing that'll happen. If you let the fear of failure stop you from chasing your dreams on your deathbed, you will have regret. 100%. And that is a life unlived. A hundred percent. And it's kind of like the whole thing about progression. That's, probably one of the biggest things that I took away from the gym and I still work out and all that. Right. And I remember that where I started, well, not comparing myself, but just like kids would come up to me. Adults would come up to me and be like, Hey, what is it that you're doing? Why is this working? You know, you're like 16 and you're jacked. How did you do this? How did you X, Y, Z? And it came from a very simple concept of just progressing, just progressing every single day. And like you said, I would write stuff down and just be like, Hey, that's interesting. Or I would read this magazine on bodybuilding and be like, I'm taking these key points. You're doing the research, you hire a personal trainer, <clears throat> you hire a nutritionist, you get yourself an individualized plan that can really help you excel. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've always paid attention to. And one of the things that I can tell for yourself as well is that I'm looking to invest in myself. And I'm not ashamed of saying, hey, yeah, I got me a trainer. You know, whereas other people be like, why do you need that, man? I, I read the magazines, I went on YouTube, I don't need that. And it's almost like you got to come from it from a place of humility where it's like, no, I need coaching. I don't know everything. If I really want to get to that next level and progress in this life the way that I want to, I need help. Right. And that's kind of the thing where there's no shame in that whatsoever. And if anything, we should always be looking to invest in ourselves in different ways, like books, journaling, your own time, your own money. And that's kind of, I think, holds true. And I'm, I'm a big believer in individ, uh, individualized program for absolutely everybody because we're all different, right? Yeah. And it's crazy because you recognize that and you went right after it. I didn't know what else to do, though. Like, honestly, I just didn't know what else to do. And so it, it started with um, a lot of personal development stuff. Like I'm the kind of, I literally, I used to see a dude like Tony Robbins. I'm like, fuck that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? For real. I had a, I had a friend, I'll create real context for you. 
when I, when I was 21, my roommate's girlfriend gave me a copy of Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And <laughs> she, she saw something in me I didn't understand. And she just hands it to me. She just goes, I think this will help you. I threw it in the trash, oh, literally. It's a great book. And so, you know, you fast forward to today, last year alone, and this is not a flex. I promise you it's not. I'm just laying context. Last year alone, I spent six figures on personal development being coached by Tom Bilyeu, Tony Robbins, and Grant Cardone. And my life is different now, but I'm the guy who wouldn't spend $5 on a book. I promise you I wouldn't. And, you know, there is a progression. And now I think about how can I spend seven figures on it, right? Because it's so much about like, I don't know what I don't know. And I need to learn from the people who are simply just right in front of me. And, you know, there's a trickle down effect that people get from being coached by me because they're getting that information from these guys through me as this proxy. And then they get to go and deliver it to their people and so on and so forth. And, And the thing is, people people feel so much like they have failed if they have to go and get support. And I'm like, that's the whole point. Like, go and get support because you can't name somebody who did something great alone. Nobody. 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 Rambo did. Rambo killed it by himself. (laughs) No, he didn't. No, he didn't because he called his sergeant in the middle of it. Well, that's true. He got back at the cavalry, but you know, they came after, but you know, Rambo did. But they came, didn't they? (laughs) They had to. Nobody. I mean, dude, like this isn't even a joke. Hitler didn't even do what he did without help. Oh no. He had tons of backup. Look like, like that's crazy to say. I get it. But like, that's the reality of the world. We're communal species. You've got to be willing to ask for help. And it's not even about humility. It's about like, you have to recognize the truth. You keep doing the same thing by yourself. You're going to keep getting the same result. Yeah. I would rather not put my finger in the electrical socket again. And instead, <laughs> ask the guy who built the fucking house how it works. Yeah, it's like, dude, just give me the blueprint and I'll take it from there. But you need that guidance. And it's like you said, too, you don't know what you don't know. And that's kind of like it goes back to that, the form of learning. I remember, I don't know where I heard this, but it's like at first you're unconsciously like incompetent, right? So you have no idea what's going on and you don't even know how it works. And then you become consciously incompetent, right? Where it's like, okay, I know that I suck, right? And then to the point where it's like, eventually you progress and you're just unconsciously competent where you just do it second nature. And it's like, yeah, this, this, is, it, this is a ritual for me. This is just what I do. But in order for us to get to that level, like a Grand Cardone, a Cardone or a Tom Billu man, like, poof, you know, there's a lot of learning that we could take away from somebody like that. And the fact that you were willing to go in there and get coaching from them, man, that that says about what you want to get to and the levels that you want to take this to. Right. And there's nothing but respect there for that. Yeah. And, and look, I'll, I'll be frank about it, man. Affording those guys costs a lot of money. I've had to make massive sacrifices in my life for that. I can right? imagine. Because it's not about, I don't go on vacations. I don't go buy new stuff. I don't do, because I'm like, I know the investment. Now I have a theory. I'll lay this out for you. And you ask me in 30 years, if this is true. I believe that for every $1,000 that you invest into yourself, you will make 100,000. Because you will learn, you will grow, you will gain confidence. You will have mentorship. You will have accountability. You will have people who support you. You yeah. know, and that's kind of the thing about this game is, you know, I, I will never lie in the beginning, $97 on a course freaked me out. 
freaked me out, man. Cause my mindset about money was screwed up. Yeah. Right. The, the first time I dropped five figures on an event, boy, I had a freaking heart attack, <laughs> just like cold sweats in the night. Like, what am I doing? And it changed my life forever. And it's look, it's going to take time to get there. Yeah. You're not going to be, if you're lucky enough to be able to drop that now, great. I highly recommend it, but start where you are. The library is free. Yeah. The library is free. I've read 700 books in the last 10 years. Damn. 96% of those came from the library. All you need is a library card. That's all you need, but you're looking for excuses and I'm looking for solutions. Damn. Well, that's a perfect way to end it, Mike, but man, I got to have you on the show again. I feel like I could just, you know, yell at you in unison for hours, man, because I love where you're coming from and I love your vibe, man. I love what you're doing. Thank and you, I man. honestly think that, you know, if you are holding true to what you want to do and to what your mission is, man. And I can see that. And I think, you know, the world is a better place, A, because you're here and B, because of the work that you're doing, right? I mean, thank God you're not sitting on the couch eating chocolate cake anymore because that was doing Boy, you do no I favors. <laughs> Don't worry. Maybe you could have a cheat day every now and again. Oh, man. But no, honestly, dude, like everything that you're doing, everything that you're offering to the world now, man, like you're literally making the world a better place. And that's kind of what it's all about, because I, I, I think about, you know, being on my deathbed as well. And I'm like, I don't want that. You know, I, I don't want to be like, ah, I just did nothing. I watched TV. I played Diablo for 46,000 hours, you know, and a life unfulfilled is, is a life that, you know, just isn't worth it, you know, and like, think I'm broken, man. I think that's perfect because a lot of us are broken and that's where you come to help people and just help people just, you know, mend themselves. So that being said, Michael, where can we find you? Let us know your Instagram and all the books that are coming through. And I'll make sure I put all the links in the description below. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate you. And I, I have gratitude for you too. My, my mission that I told you is to end generational trauma in my lifetime through education and information. I can't do that alone. So you being here makes you a part of my mission and that makes us brothers. So I appreciate you, my hey, friend. Thanks, man. Um, I'm, I'm everywhere on social. It's Michael Unbroken. Um, I teach everything for free on the Think Unbroken podcast. If you just go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com or just search Think Unbroken. All right, man. I'll add all that up. And again, Michael, thank you for your time. And sure. I had an absolute blast, man. I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, my pleasure, my friend. All right. Until the next one, guys.